0: CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on.
2: Contact CordellCordell.com. Cordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
3: Welcome back to the his Radio Weekly Recap where I take you on a tour through the past week in his podcasting, featuring some of the best clips from the shows this week. Before we get into it, I have to remind you about the his NFL Pass, which you can get right now for 30% off. This discount is for podcast listeners only, and it's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL tools and content, and it also supports the podcast. And we've also got some exciting stuff going on at Rotoviz, mainly our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com forward slash Radio to sign up for our Patreon. You join a community of our podcast analysts and the podcast listener community. It's a great place to interact with smart, engaging people, learn more about fantasy football, and have a great time. And have a great time supporting the 10-plus shows we put out a week. And now the four live shows we do every month, Sunday mornings, just before kickoff. Get your last-minute fantasy advice and interact with some of your favorite podcast hosts. That's patreon.com forward slash Road of His Radio and the Road of His Live Show on Sunday mornings. Now, let's get into it. First, with the Laying the Points Boys talking about the Buffalo Bills. All
2: right, let's talk Bills. Bills Mafia. Also at six. Bills Mafia, come get me. <laughs> Plus 120 on the over, minus 140 on the under. I mean, say what you want. I say, Matt, and then I will say what I want to say. I don't think any of it will be good.
4: <laughs> I want to bet on, like, the amount of alcohol consumed in the pregame uh, parking lot because I think this team is, is due for a wake-up call. Like, you know, I just made a joke about how they made the playoffs this year, and somehow, like, they took the best quarterback that they've had since, I don't know, Jim Kelly. <laughs> is that too aggressive to say on Tyrod? No, they that took. Is- correct they took him and ran him out of town uh they brought in Josh Allen who like i think everybody is is low on um you know his completion rate in the preseason was sub 60% just like it has been at every other stop of football that he's played yeah. in his entire life huge huge shocker that a guy
2: that couldn't complete 50% of his passes in community college is struggling in the NFL. Huge, community huge, college, huge, big surprise. He didn't
4: do it in high school, I thought, either. So, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and if you're not going with him, you've got Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron. Like, that's probably the worst QB situation in the league. Like, I know I made fun of Tannehill. I've made fun of some other guys, but that is a real crap stack <laughs> of guys right there. Um, and is the rest of the team... Good enough to overcome that kind of play, uh, I don't think so. Especially if LaShawn McCoy is in jail for for whatever he did in the off season. Like that's the real wild card, right? Like, what well, <laughs> he could end up in jail, he could end up on the commissioner's list. Who knows with him? Uh, so yeah, I, I think that this for sure is an under.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the Bills are terrible. Like, if you are a Bills fan and you genuinely think that the Bills are good. I need you to like send me a series of tweets proving why that's true because I just don't see how that's possible. Like, Yeah, they made the playoffs last year. Big whoop. Like, You squeaked in. You were the luckiest team in all of football last year with 2.97 wins over expectations. So let's just call it three wins. Oh, baby. You should have won six games last year. You won nine. So good for you. The defense <laughs> overrated... I mean, they're twelfth. They were twelfth in past DVOA last year, thirtieth against a run. Like, that's average, maybe even below average. It's not great. Not a ton of additions on that side of the ball that make me feel like they're all, all of a sudden going to be a great defense. And the offense is the worst offense in the entire league. I mean, it like you said, we don't really know what's going to happen with Shady. If he ends up on like the, the commissioners list and and like doesn't play, like the team the team may not get like a first down the whole like first month of the year. Like they're terrible. <laughs> they're so bad. Like whatever, like you expect from like the worst team in football normally in terms of offense, just like take 80% of that. And that's what the bills will do. Cause they just don't have any good players. Like, listen, I think Corey Coleman's like was a good prospect, but he's done nothing. And playing with these quarterbacks probably isn't going to all of a sudden make him a star. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin stinks. The backup running back is Chris Ivory, who's like, okay, but I mean, again, it's like not really a huge, a huge, important, a hugely important position. uh, uh, The quarterback is and it's terrible. You mentioned Allen, McCarron, Peterman, all very bad or at least all like average at best at this point. Like even if even if Allen like long term ends up being good, like he certainly won't be good this year. Uh, And like I said in the last show, rookie quarterbacks are 70 and 156 over the last five seasons. That would prorate to five wins in a single season, and I don't think it's a stretch to say that Allen is on the uh, lower end of that scale in terms of QB quality. So uh, this is this is the lockiest of locks. I feel like under.
4: Man, that was that was a long, well thought out argument against the Bills. I, I like salty Anthony. Salty Anthony's one of the best Anthony's. You know, like you're just feisty today. You're going after the Bills. You're going after Jules on Twitter. You're going after lawyers. <laughs> I love it. I love Feisty Anthony.
2: Sometimes you gotta just, you know, keep it 100. That's, it. That's what Rap has taught me.
3: The LaShawn McCoy evaluation is one that, as they were talking, as Matt and Anthony were talking about this, I really struggled in terms of fantasy to decide what to do with him because his volume is undoubtedly going to be up there for the highest in the league last season. He saw 287 carries and turned 77 targets into 59 receptions, and those numbers are probably in the median range of outcomes in terms of his 2018 season just because, like they said, they have they are going from one of the most turnover-averse quarterbacks in Tyrod Taylor to what should be an extremely risky quarterback in Josh Allen, leaving them to possibly lean on LaShawn McCoy just to keep the ball moving without turning it over, and of course... They just may not want to put so much on Josh Allen's shoulders as a rookie. But with that being said, I I see a potential suspension, even though it may not be as likely anymore, and an offense that could just be so anemic. Their offensive line got worse that they may not be able to support even LaShawn McCoy on high volume returning value. Pulling up the MFL 10 ADP, LaShawn McCoy goes just at the beginning of the third round. He's typically the first pick of the third round. And if you look at running backs, I think his running back position is fair, if not even a little undervalued when you look at the guys who are just behind him, Jerick McKinnon, Kenyon Drake, Derrick Henry. None of those guys have really proven anything, proven to be consistent producers in the NFL, more than just a few stretches of games. Whereas LaShawn McCoy has a a large body of work telling us otherwise. But then I I still thought that the third round for a player with so much risk seemed strange. And then I realized the answer was, as it always is, it wrote of a zero RB. I just see so much more value in the third round wide receivers in players like T.Y. Hilton and Stefan Diggs, who don't have that soul crushing downside of playing on a terrible Bills offense. But with that being said, I'll stop shilling for zero RB for I might start again between the next clips, but for now, here's a Dynasty trade cast guys, talking about the Alshon Jeffrey injury.
5: Uh Nathan, who do you think benefits the most from Alshon being out? If anyone, and do you think maybe Alshon is still kind of a buy at this point?
1: Well, I'll start off by saying Alshon injury victory lappers. There are a number of them on Twitter who basically, <laughs> basically they, they say they don't, they didn't like Alshon. And so whenever he gets injured, like, oh, he got injured again. So I, I'm glad I didn't buy her. I'm glad I sold. You guys are the worst. Like no, no one no one cares about you selling a player or buying a player based off an injury, yada, yada, yada. So, uh, but just the outlook of the Eagles offense in the short term. I think that Nelson Aguilar has quietly been one of the better buys of the off season. I don't think he's a guy we've talked about a bunch here, but he broke out. He had a breakout season in 2017 and his price doesn't really reflect it. Yes. It's not as low as it was last year, but it doesn't reflect the price of a guy who had a 800 900 yard season and like six to seven touchdowns. So and has one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. So There are a number of factors that make Nelson Aguilar an attractive buy. And the fact that he's the wide receiver one in that offense for at least the short term and possibly the long term if Alshon doesn't get healthy. So he's a guy that you could probably get for like a mid-first, late-first type. Maybe even cheaper, maybe a couple early seconds. So I I think he's another player who you can acquire pretty easily if you just give the right assets.
5: Yeah, I I think that's fair. I think my main worry uh, is that Peterson goes to a two tight end look. I think they. I think they went out and, and drafted Dallas Goddard because they believe that he is um, one of the better tight end talents coming into the league. And I think I, I think they can do a lot with him. Uh, I think if you split him with Ertz and you get a speed guy like like Wallace on the outside, that kind of takes away a lot of Nelson Aguilar's work. He worked primarily as a slot receiver. Um, most all of his production came from that spot. I think he only had something like 60 yards and no touchdowns or anything like that from the non-slot position. So um, I think they like working him from there. Whether they split Goddard out or keep him in line, whether they split Ertz out and keep him in line, I think I think both of those guys are capable of doing both of those things. So as much as I want to say that a few games of Aguilar having the wide receiver one targets, I don't think it's going to be much more than eight, maybe ten. In those games, again, you're talking about an elite defense that's probably not going to have to be passing a ton, especially early on. Uh, if this was like a later in the season thing, when they're kind of forced to, to win games, if they're behind or whatever it happens to be, uh, and they need to throw the ball, I think at that point it would mean a little bit more for Aguilar. But right now, uh, to kind of get, their, get that engine going a little bit, I think they'll lean on those tight ends and maybe lean on the running game a little bit um, and kind of let Wentz get no pun intended, get his legs back underneath him, uh, assuming he's good to go right away. And I think he will be. I don't think there's any issues there. Um, so, I mean, I still think Aguilar is probably slightly underpriced, but at the same time, having two two good tight ends in there kind of kind of scares me away uh, just because that's a lot of underneath work that that he maybe not necessarily isn't going to get because now you've got two big bodies in there, plus once Alshon's back to go up. Uh, especially in red zone and, and all of that. So I, I don't know. I, I, I want to say that is a good buy just because Jeffrey's out. But at the same time, it, it just kind of doesn't feel like a clean a clean win.
3: Great stuff there. And before we get into our next clip, I have to tell you about our good friends, the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football, With just days left in the 2018 fantasy draft season, the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interest and budget. Whether it's best ball, super flex, or classic managed leagues, there are dozens of live drafts filling all day long, starting at just $35. Now are you ready for the greatest challenge? Then check out the FFPC main event. In its 11th season, the main event is the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino, or draft online from the comfort of your home. Play for the $250,000 grand prize, over $2.2 million in total prizes, in fantasy immortality. Over 1,400 diehards like you are already signed up. What are you waiting for? Don't miss the FFPC experience. to listeners. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season long high stakes fantasy football.
6: Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
3: Our next clip comes to you courtesy of Neil Dutton on our RV32 series, where he talks about Christian McCaffrey's upside, both as a rusher and a receiver, using some of the uh, similar performances we've seen from his rookie year compared to other rookie years. It's great use of the road of his tools, and I think a worthwhile listen.
7: Uh, McCaffrey wasn't a big wasn't a big part of the ground game last year. He only had 117 rush attempts, but he was a big part of the passing game. So what I wanted to do was have a look at various comparable players for McCaffrey, given his workload from their first season. So using the rope of his screener, I had a look at running backs in their rookie season from 2010 to 2017, and I wanted to look at their rushing attempts, their rush yards, touchdowns, also their work as a receiver, so their targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns, and also PPR points. And I wanted to get a good idea of maybe some potential range of outcomes for McCaffrey based on what he did in his first year to how he can push on into year two. So putting all those inf- uh, all that information into the his Screener app, the four comparable players, the closest comps in terms of first year usage to McCaffrey we got were Jarvid Best in 2010, Giovanni Bernard 2013, Javorius Buck Allen 2015, and Duke Johnson in 2015 as well. Now, all of these players, with the exception of Duke Johnson, had more rushing attempts than c as rookies. Uh, Jarved Best had 171. Gio Bernard had 170. Buck Allen had 138. McCaffrey had only 117. Duke Johnson had 104. So in terms of rushing yards as well, McCaffrey was behind all of them except Duke Johnson. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, 695. Jarved Best, 555. Buck Allen, 516. In terms of touchdowns, again, he was behind most of them, but not all of them. Uh, Gio Bernard had five, Jarvis Best four, Christian McCaffrey had two, Allen had one, Duke Johnson had zero. Now, though, we come into an area where McCaffrey far outweighs the production of his peers, and that's in the receiving game. McCaffrey had 113 targets, that's the most of any of them. He had 80 receptions, again, more than any of them. 651 yards, you're gonna, you're, you're not going to guess, more than any of them, and five receiving touchdowns. So basically what this gave him was he had 230 PPR points as a rookie. The next closest was Gio Bernard with 224. Now the one big thing that we've noticed this preseason is that Christian McCaffrey seems to be... Almost the every down back. As Brian said, Christian McCaffrey has won this backfield. This seems to be his job, his turf. So none of those players were able to establish themselves as workhorses in their second season and in all the cases for any season to come. They've just remained peripheral pieces of their offence. So Christian McCaffrey, can we expect 113 targets again? I I don't know, especially because he's going to get more carries, but he should still be a valuable contributor if his carries go up, even if his targets drop a a little bit, he's going to be involved. He's certainly worth, at the moment, the price you're paying to get him in redraft, in PPR and standard. Using Christian McCaffrey and
3: Lashawn McCoy as an example, I think... They illustrate something very important about best balls, but this applies to regular redraft leagues as well, in that the win rates you find in the first few rounds, mainly rounds one through four, skew much more towards the lower end of win rates, say skew much more towards the lower end of win rates, and don't really have as much upside, meaning that you're basically in your first few rounds trying not to lose the draft. You're trying not to sink your team. And then as you push through rounds five, six, seven, it flips and the upside becomes unparalleled to the downside. So when you look at your first few rounds, taking safe picks and then making, and then taking risks as you move through the draft is probably the optimal way to draft in terms of best ball, but for redraft as well. And McCaffrey's passing game, and McCaffrey's receiving game really illustrates the highest floor type of player in that we know his volume and it's a high leverage volume, a high floor volume, in that we know targets and receptions are worth more than carries. Whereas McCoy may get an overall higher rushing volume, he won't be able to match McCaffrey in receptions, and I think that makes McCaffrey a smart pick in the second round, like Neil said, and why I'm only taking Lashawn McCoy if I'm employing a high-risk strategy, maybe something like a hyper-fragile three RBs and then done. Our last clip comes to you courtesy of Overtime Ireland, where Sean and Colm are talking about his 15-0 RB candidates. Have a listen.
8: interestingly i think the running back who is going to jump onto the list this next week and was in both of the main events that i drafted uh, this previous week i never would have guessed but he's gotten so inexpensive at this point point. and i wanted to bring in blair's wrong read article and give you a few quotes give you a little bit of the evidentiary foundation behind this so you, you can see why we would want to be talking about this guy we're about to mention so Blair says, we know rookie running backs drafted in the middle rounds consistently outperform their ADP-based expectations. Uh, One of the reasons why zero running back is a successful strategy, even in years when the top wide receivers fail to live up to expectations, think of the last two, is that it's always possible to find league-winning running backs in the middle of later rounds, and he's got some excellent work on that. In his original piece, so the one before the one that came out yesterday, he talks about how rounds nine through 12. Are where rookie running back value is at its peak. And when that article was written, that On Johnson and Naheem Hines were the two people looking at, they've gone in different directions. on has moved up. Hines has moved down and out. He's still someone I'm taking at those very suppressed prices. Um, but now the two guys that we're seeing in this round nine through 12 range, and I think very appealing at that range. I think people are massively overreacting to the preseason And that will be Ronald Jones, and then new to the list this coming week will be Nick Chubb. Chubb is somebody I kind of touched on earlier with the the Duke Johnson situation and the other players around that it's hard to just buy into everyone on the Browns offense, and now they're starting to get a little bit more expensive within Joku and uh, Josh Gordon and everybody else that's involved there. Uh, What is it that's standing out for you, for Chubb, as we head in here to the, the opening weeks of the season? I think the main thing is price. Blair talks about how three way competitions are not optimal situations when we're looking for these year running back candidates, but the extreme discount we're getting at this point makes them very attractive. So, assuming that you've built in some other running backs to start the season uh, in these drafts, I've got players like Tevin Coleman and Carry on Johnson, uh, even Duke Johnson, teammate there. So, a little bit of ownership on the same team. And so, when you're starting to get into rounds nine, 10, 11, 12, you can afford to wait a little bit and wait for either the injuries to happen, which obviously we hope they don't happen. These are real people, real lives. Um, But also look for the younger player to emerge. When you're talking about Chubb being someone who was drafted in the 103, 104, 105 range in dynasty leagues, uh, you're talking about someone who had a fantastic college career, was impressive, not freakish, but was impressive at the combine. The reports out of Brown's camp have been very strong. Uh, the veteran players love him. The coaches love him. Uh, he's a bigger talent than Carlos Hyde, almost for sure. I mean, anytime that you're making statements about talent, uh, you're you're you know moving into some dangerous territory. But anytime you can get the more talented player who is more likely to be valuable late in the season, you're getting him at this kind of discount. Uh, Even if you weren't on him before, and, and maybe, you know, like myself, thought he was a tiny bit overrated compared to some of the other guys in this class, I think you really want to load up at the levels we're seeing here.
3: The biggest takeaway I have from that clip is that, as it is always, it's all... The biggest takeaway I have from this clip is that it's always a game of value. I think many of us at Roto-Viz and in the data analytics sphere didn't see Ronald Jones as a top five running back prospect in this season, and therefore we were often fading him going into rookie drafts and going into the, the regular draft season, but now seeing as how far he's falling, it's always a game of value, and if you can get a second round running back who a team drafted to eventually use as their starter, as potentially a three down guy, as late as you can get Ronald Jones... The value is there. I had a draft two days ago where we're sitting in the ninth round. I saw Ronald Jones. I plugged my nose and I took him. I'm not proud of it, but it is what it is. And I think I got good value there, and that's what the game is about. That being said, I think we can bring this episode to a close. As always, make sure you subscribe, like, and rate, or do whatever the kids do these days on your podcast app. And if you want your Rotoviz subscription, get it through rotovizcom forward slash podcast for a 30% discount. Check our Patreon. And of course, the FFPC guys always have great stuff.
6: fans football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie my bookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real vegas odds on football baseball and all your favorite sporting events you can take aside the total or even fantasy points props my bookie lets you bet online and win big did the game already kick off don't sweat it my bookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.